Welcome to the Animal Control Report with your hosts. Wait, it's just me today. Ashley Bishop is out sick. She says uh, she can't speak more than two words without coughing. So we we figured it's probably best that she's not here because no one wants to hear Ashley cough. But most people probably want to hear her speak more than I do. However, uh, we will uh, we'll still keep it moving. This is the Animal Control Report, where you are actually brought to you by Tomahawk Live Trap. More to come on that. But I uh, just wanted to jump in and get our guest going today. We have a cool cool episode. We're going to talk a lot about a lot of different things. And, you know, on the Humane Roundup, we used to always say, keep it humane, Maine. And we still do on the Animal Control Report. Not much has changed but the name. And we're excited to do it give our guest the floor here from skedaddle humane wildlife control bill dowd bill bill thank you so much for joining the show how are you today i'm doing well thanks for for having me on daniel always exciting to talk about uh, the humane ethical treatment of animals love this and so skedaddle the name of the business humane wildlife control i think that's a really cool name really easy to remember and how'd you come up with that and, and talk a little bit too about like, your background and how you got into humane wildlife control? Sure. So um, I can't, I can't take credit for the name. Uh, you know, these marketing people have uh, a lot uh, more creative juices than myself. So uh, a number of years ago, we, uh, my company had grown to the point where I wanted to grow the brand and promote our unique and different and humane methods across America. So we wanted a unique name and they came up with the, the name Skedaddle, the logo, the coloring. It's a name that people remember. It's unique. It's different. And it's one of those ones where people look at our, our shirt and say, Skedaddle. You know, my, my grandma used to say to me, you know, Skedaddle. Yeah. Get out of um, here. <laughs> that's right. So that's, that's how we kind of came up with the name. And um, it's really helped our brand grow uh, as we promote our, our ethical and humane uh procedures and, and, and company. Um, how I got involved, I, I kind of fell into the line of animal work. Uh, I used to play professional hockey. I was drafted by the New York Islanders when they were winning four Stanley Cups in a row in the early 1980s. Wow. Spent a few years bouncing around the minor leagues throughout different states. Uh, and then finally went back to school. Uh, I was going to be a school teacher, didn't get into teacher's college. So I started, I, I, I looked at a number of businesses and you know i thought this was a, a kind of a niche uh uh service that no one was doing you know when i looked at this most and still to this day most of our competitors are, are, human, are companies that are trapping yeah. or pest control companies yeah. they're trappers yeah. they're trapping animals they're taking them from one part of the city to another relocating them and there's documented studies out there that say 70 percent of relocated animals die Oh, so, you know, we're focusing on, you know, the animals aren't the problem. They're just exploding in every urban center, suburban neighborhood across America. It's the homes are the problem. So our main focus is not only the humane treatment of the animals and keeping babies together with the, with the, with the mothers, but animal proofing of the home. Mm -hmm. And that's where most of our, our franchise locations, you know, we make most of our revenue on animal proofing structures. Um, so it's kind of very unique. We like to say what uh, Uber did to the to the taxi industry, kind mm. of turned it upside down, is what we feel we do to any market we go into. You know, we're going to provide a, a lot better service and a more humane service, you know, focusing on, you know, not hurting or harming the animals, not relocating them, 
keeping them in that neighborhood because they have seven to 10 den sites in a, in a square mile or, or two, two block radius. So we focus on that animal proofing and, you know, people really, it's a lot of educating, but a lot of people really say, okay, that makes sense. You're going to spend, you know, five hours on my home, getting these raccoons and getting these babies out, keeping the family together, animal proofing my home, you know, and we give them a lifetime guarantee. So if we okay. were there all day and they get back in, it's on our nickel to come back out and solve it for free for that homeowner. So a lot of educating in our uh, franchises. That's it. That's incredible. If I'm a consumer though, and I have a choice between a, a trapper pest control or the humane wildlife control in that aspect, how, how different is the cost? Uh, we're, we're substantially more, more, okay. you know, because you know, you're setting a trap, trapping that animal, taking it away. That that's, you know, very, anyone could do it. In fact, we'll say to hmm. homeowners, you know, why hire somebody? Go to go to a retail store, go to a low home depot, buy, buy a trap. Yeah. But then once you do, you know, are you gonna be able to identify that's a, a lactating female skunk or a lactating female squirrel or raccoon? You know, then there's gonna be babies in your attic. And you know, we don't want babies starving to death and suckling on insulation. So, hmm. you know, we'll educate them on why our methods are better. And you know, even if you you know, I've been doing this for 33 years now. I, I can't tell one raccoon from another. I don't know if a Joe public can do, you know, how do you know that's the raccoon that's been in your attic space? So, um, you know, a lot of these educating and, and making people kind of realize that, you know, you have one vent on your roof, the animal's gotten in, you got to go find a handyman to steal that vent up or, or, you know, fix your roof, you know, where we do all that. It's a one-stop shop. So people get that peace of mind. And, you know, we have found people that they find a company they trust that peace of mind nowadays goes a long way that people know it's going to be done right the first time and you have a lifetime guarantee with us. They're never going to have a problem again. And I think too, the the aspect of you're also here for the animal, right? You're not just picking it up and whether it's euthanasia or like you, you mentioned earlier, which I thought was an interesting stat, 70% of animals relocated end up dying. And in Colorado, our de- department of wildlife gives us a, a radius where we can release certain re-release certain wildlife. My goal has always been to, to re-release certain wildlife, right? Basically right by the area that it was found. Uh, there are times where, you know, you can take it in that three mile radius or that 10 mile radius, depending on what type of wildlife it is. Uh, I'll give an example with bats. We, we as animal control officers deal with a lot of bat calls throughout the year. Well, throughout the warmer months, I should say, just because they are a rabies vector and they get into people's homes all the time. And so when I was working with my old agency several years ago, our policy was just to pick those up no matter what. So even if they did not have contact, our policy was to euthanize. And I thought that was, I thought it was inhumane in that aspect. Like there's no need to euthanize a bat that has no contact and it's you know, easy to confirm that there was no contact. It's not like you woke up in the middle of the night and the bat was next to you on the pillow. Right. And so we, we changed our policy, thankfully to being able to re-release so we could, you know, if there's a bat on your curtain inside your home, you could then take the bat outside, just basically right outside and then educate. How did the bat get in? Did it come in through the flu? Are there cracks, you know, in the door through windows? I mean, bats are tiny as you know. And so as I, I appreciate that aspect as somebody that uh, wants, you know, 
we built our our homes in areas where wildlife already existed. And so we have to figure out ways to coexist. So that's great that you're able to do that. And I think people would would really appreciate that service when they understand that it's just not, you know, pest control. Uh, we're, we're talking about humane wildlife control, keeping these animals in the area that they belong, but doing it in a way that is, uh, you know, efficient and, and uh, stops the problem from happening again. Exactly. And, and bats are a major issue in, in, as you say, the warmer months. And it's amazing how many homes uh, people awaken at three in the morning with bats flying over their head. And, um, you know, we do it, we have to do a lot of sealing up, you know, bats getting in and opening the size of the dime. So a lot of securing homes and, and, you know, we've, we've perfected it to the point where we give that lifetime guarantee. And, um, you know, we, we do recommend, yeah, if you have, uh, if you find a, a, a bat in a, say a children's bedroom, you know, a newborn or, you know, something like that, you may want to talk to your, your family doctor or the, or the uh, public health officials and let them make a decision on what to do with that bat. But we're, we're right with you that, you know, in most cases, you know, releasing those bats and then animal proofing that home for that, that home. That's a good uh, segue into this question though. If you do run into a situation where you think there is contact by a vector, so whether it's a skunk, bat, raccoon, do you call public health or animal control? Yes. Yep. Okay. We're, you know, we'll, we'll teach all of our, our franchise locations that, you know, you need to call the, the authorities on okay. that. And, you know, they're the experts to make that decision. Okay. You know, we're the experts on how to get the animals out and how to animal proof your home. We're not the experts in terms of what needs to be done from, you know, uh, the rabies vector and, you know, call the proper authorities and let them make that call. And then what happens if best. you, yeah. What happens if you run into a situation where an animal is, is sick is that a, a situation? Can you euthanize, or is that done again by like an animal control agency? Right, we would we would call the animal control agency, and, okay. and it's not very you know thirty three years in business. I think uh, through all of our locations, we might see one hundred and fifty two hundred homes a day. Oh, wow, you know, I think there's only been one or two occasions where we we've run into a, a sick or injured sick okay. animal. Yeah. Um, I think it was for rac- raccoons with distemper, you know, that the, the older they have, that how they're behaving and say, like, okay, something's going on here. You know, let's call animal control. Let's get them out. Okay. You know, animal controls are dealing with this a lot more than we are. I guess it's just when the animals are sick, they're not in their normal environment. They're not in that chimney. They're not in that attic space. They're not underneath someone's deck. They're, you know, out. There's a nocturnal animal out during the daytime or, you know, showing very strange behavior. So yeah, we'll definitely call the proper authorities, animal control and let, you know, we'll assist them with that. Um, you know, whether they need help capturing it, you know, we, we've always supported animal control and humane societies and SPCA. So, you know, someone has a, a, a raccoon on a, a three-story building with a, with a jar of peanut butter on its <laughs> nose because it was licking that peanut butter, you know, and animal control might not have the, the ladders to get up that, that high. So, you know what, we're all in the kind of the, the humane and ethical treatment of animals. You know, we have a truck available and staff available. We'll rush out there and help them uh, rescue that animal. So we like doing that and helping each other out. Bill, this is great stuff. Uh, I just want our listeners to know skedaddlewildlife.com. That's S-K-E-D-A-D-D-L-E, skedaddlewildlife.com. And we'll put the link in the show notes as well. Check out the website. Good stuff. You know, and I think another piece of this with animal control officers, we deal with that dog catcher stereotype. I believe that you would probably the same deal with that pest control stereotype. So people just assume because you deal with wildlife that it's pest control. 
exactly. And it's it's two different two different service line and modules. You know, wildlife control operators are are specific. They love animals. You know, they really enjoy it. Where you know the pest control has that more you know negative connotation that you're spraying chemicals and nowadays with everything being green. So, um, you know, there's kind of two different fields: the pest field versus the wildlife field. And you know, the pest control operators that dabble in wildlife a lot of times. Yeah, uh, they're really not doing it properly. They, you know, it's, it's more of a hassle to them. They want to hit and run. They want to hit, you know, 20 homes a day, do their spraying, get their route done for the day versus, you know, wildlife. You know, some jobs could take, you know, six to eight hours to get that animal out and animal proof that home. So there's two distinct uh, uh, mentalities with those two uh, operationals. And I've been told uh, some of the pest control businesses operate off of a commission base so the more animals that you can trap and and, uh, get rid of i guess is the best way to say it the more money that that person can make in a day so um just exactly and and, you know the the populations are exploding of raccoons and skunks and squirrels in our in our cities and suburbs and you know once again there's been documented studies out there that in, in, in a square mile there's anywhere from 15 to 50 raccoons you know, people don't realize that in the cloak of darkness, there's a whole <laughs> world going on out there, whether it be, you know, raccoons, skunks, opossums, bats. There's a whole uh, ecosystem out there that us as humans, you know, we're enjoying our sleep. And a lot of a lot of animals are very, very active in the evening. So people don't realize that. Now, I would imagine it's based on geographics, but what is the most common animal that that your company sees? Uh, probably the, the top three would be, uh, you know, raccoons, squirrels, uh, and mice, mice. Uh, rodents, right? Okay. So we, you know, once again, uh, about 20 years ago, you know, I went to my operations manager and said, you know, we can keep bats out of house. Why can't we keep mice out of house? I was tired of going out to homes and, you know, people think they have a raccoon in the attic. They're hearing all their noise. Oh, somebody's breaking into my home. You get up there, you do your inspection, you know, you see the mouse trails in the insulation in the attic. It's like, no, it's mice. Oh, no, it's not mice. Yeah, it is. Sorry, call a pest control operator. So okay. I said, you know, let's figure out if we can bat proof a house, we got to be able to mouse proof a home. So sure enough, we, we researched it and did all these tests and family, friends, and we, we devised things and put mice in them. What will they chew through? What they won't? What will they go for food? So here we are. We, we can mouse proof a home now. And, you know, um, so that's a very, you know, mice are in, they, they breed every, what, three, three weeks. Uh, they're the bottom of the food chain. So, you know, the fact that we're providing that alternative to the pest control is putting down poison. And, uh, you know, we're doing a more humane method by mouse proofing homes. So, uh, and then when you mouse proof, proof a home, they just, they can't get back into that home, but they're still in that general area, right? You said they have different dens, so they might just go to a different. Right. Yep. They all all urban wildlife: raccoons, squirrels, skunks, birds, bats, mice have seven to ten den sites. So, wow. you know, we've done we've done some large bat jobs. You know, three, four, five hundred bats even in say an old hundred century old home. And you know, we do that, and it's not like the next day we get the phone call. You know, oh, Bill, I have a hundred bats stuck on my wall trying to get back in. You know, they'll fly back. They'll realize they can't get back in that entry point. And they have that alternate den site. And that's why all these animals are just flourishing in our urban environments because they have this multitude of den sites. And, 
us as humans are given the availability. We're leaving our chimneys unscreened. We're leaving our vents unsecured. We're not maintaining our roofs. And these animals are opportunistic. That's why they're they're flourishing in our cities. Makes sense. From the aspect of disease control, is your team, is it required if you're, you know, if you're an employee or if you're a franchise owner to be vaccinated against rabies? Yes. Yes, we are. That's a great point. Uh, you know, we're very safety conscientious, whether we're, you know, handling, you know, baby raccoons or baby squirrels, maybe a squirrel got down a chimney, you got to put your hand up in behind the, the damper and grab that squirrel. You know, sometimes there's bites. So yes, we vaccinate all of our franchisees and their staff are, are fully vaccinated against rabies. They get their, their teeter levels checked to make certain uh, they're still immunized. But um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, homeowners don't want to put a hand up into a chimney and try and grab You think a it's a squirrel raccoon. and it's a baby raccoon and That's you get right. bit. I'll tell you what, though. So we used to, so I worked in Denver for several years. And and when I started, you know, it was more of the animal control. Well, uh, animal control actually uh, is a, a name that we're really trying to embrace and, and, and help change the image of. I, I'll, I'll rewind and say when I started, it was more of the dog catcher world, right? So you know, picking up strays or going, we would go into people's houses and do the same thing that you're doing. So if there were skunks or raccoons on the flue in the chimney, we would pull them out. And, you know, we weren't the most educated when it came to like what to do, right? That's, that wasn't our purview, but we still did it because it was animal control and and we've changed, right? We, over time, you know, I was there for almost 10 years. And before I left, we, we only went out for calls that there was contact, you know, is from a, from a vector to a, to a domestic pet or a human. And then we would test that animal and we would do some education, but we left, we left it to the the specialty people like you and, and other folks that, and I think you, and I learned this years ago, the, I think you called it the um, wildlife control operators, which are different than pest control. Again, mm-hmm. you know, living through people's people just don't necessarily understand those different. There's a difference in those, in those two, names pest control and wildlife control operators but it was fun you know we had a lot of fun uh, holding baby raccoons you know hearing them like purr and chirp and make all those fun noises it is it is a neat kind of perk of the job dealing with you know uh, birds you know certain birds you know whether it's a fledgling or an injured bird is is neat skunks i you know i actually have only been sprayed by a skunk once and i've dealt with probably hundreds and so just a neat animal to deal with as well. So there is fun. And I know some of the animal control officers listening probably still do deal with a lot of wildlife. Can you give some quick tips though, on maybe humane ways to catch, let's just break it down. Let's do at least the top four. Let's go with raccoons, skunks, bats, and and squirrels. Like what are some good tips that you can give our officers listening to maybe catch a a skunk without getting sprayed? Yeah, I think, you know, every animal is different. Every species, sorry, every animal is different. Their personalities are different. The situation is different. You know, we have found with skunks, you know, being calm and cautious. And we have some videos on our, our YouTube channel where, you know, a skunk's in a window well where, you know, young skunks were just talking to them and almost petting them as, 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 as a kitten, you know, calming them down and then slowly lifting them out of that window well so they can, you know, the mother will be close by and she'll, she'll pick them up. So just being more of a calm and cautious, um, you know, if a, if a squirrel or a raccoon is inside a living space, you know, maybe it came down the chimney and, 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 you know, cause those happen fairly frequently, 
frequently, as, as you mentioned. Um, those are the real fun jobs, as you said. You know, it's not like you're in an attic where you're crawling around on your hands and knees and swimming through insulation <laughs> trying to get the animal out. You have the upper hand if you go into somebody's bedroom and there's a skunk or a raccoon underneath a, a couch. So, you know, using your dog stick uh, uh, properly. You know, we teach all of our, our franchise locations that, you know, you don't uh, get the, the, the lasso, so to speak, around the neck. It's always underneath the arms. Good. So, you know, just just being cautious and, and recognizing that that animal is as stressed as that homeowner. You know, it's a very situa- stressful situation for all people involved and the animal. Um, so just being confident and, you know, steering it in the right direction is always the best. Uh, and, of course, keeping the homeowner on the outside. You know, if any animal's in a bedroom, you know, remove that stress of that homeowner. Some homeowners like to come in and, you know, peer over your shoulder and see what you're they doing. Love, not some, 99.998. Love to, what are you doing? How are you going to do that? Excuse me. Can you just let us do our job, please? Thank you. Uh, so you do yeah. use common animal control tools. You called it a dog stick. Uh, yeah. Check out Tomahawk Live Trap if you need a dog stick. They have several uh, control poles, catch poles, dog sticks, whatever you want to call that. Tomahawk Live Trap. Check those guys out. They got some amazing tools there. Um, so you use regular animal control tools as well, right? Like yeah, the- Tomahawk. We've been using Tomahawk equipment for yeah 30, 33 years. So That's we fantastic. spent a lot of money there and. Uh, um yeah you know whether it's you know uh standing on a 30-foot chimney using it but uh it's a common tool in our in our, our and then humane live traps right you use those as well um for certain we situations do, in certain situations like i said we're not trappers so if it's a uh a, a stray cat that's in a, a feral cat that's in a, a factory Okay. You know, something like that. Or uh, a squirrel got in somebody's basement and the, the roof the roof joists are open and he can be down a wall. We can't, we don't have access to it. Got so it. We might we'll put a live trap, a tomahawk live trap in those. Scenarios. There you go. And then, um, and then and get then, it out and then just relocate that way. Yeah, we'll just take it right out. First off, mm-hmm. we'll figure out how it got in, whether it okay. came in down the chimney or maybe was living in, in the attic and came down a wall cavity. Figure out what we need to do to animal proof that home. And then we'll re- release the squirrel or the raccoon outside the home. Yeah. D- does ammonia work? Because I hear that tossed around all the time. No, and that's a great question. We, you know, every homeowner says that. You know, um, mothballs, ammonia. It's like if that works, you know, all of our trucks would be running around with jugs of it. Um, <laughs> but it, it just doesn't. It just doesn't work. So how do you? Okay, let me ask this question then. Uh, for bats, now I know when I was trained, we got a coffee can. And we would put the coffee can over the bat and then slide the the lid on it. You know, I've graduated to the point of just heavy duty gloves, not heavy duty, but leather gloves. And I'll just pick it up really gently around like kind of the abdomen and it can't bite you. Is, how does your team remove bats if it's one or two? Same thing when it's in a living space, you know, whether it's a coffee can or a jug, you know, putting that over, sliding it. Okay. You know, when you go out at three in the morning to, to, you know, some of our franchises that we allow them that that flexibility. You get a call at three in the morning. You want to go out and catch it. Go ahead. Um, sometimes it takes, or normally it takes more time to write up the invoice than it does to catch that bat using a, a jar. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you're trained and feel confident, uh, whether you're an animal control officer or, or a skedaddle technician, and you feel confident to put that gloved hand on uh, to pick up that bat, by all means, do so. So, um, but I think that. You have to really have that wildlife background or animal control background to feel confident enough to, to use a, a gloved hand. 
Absolutely. Um, you know, I, it's funny, there's a uh, bat rescue here in Colorado and I, I, I gave a, an injured bat to this rescue once and this lady just opened. So she, she literally just opens up the, the can, puts her hand, no glove, just picks it up. It's like, oh yeah, I had like twenty rabies shots. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I, I feel like she kind of had rabies, like not the full blown rabies. If there's like a mid rabies, she had it. She wasn't foaming at the mouth yet, but she had some neurological things going on. Uh, I digress. Bill, this is some great stuff. I want again. I want our listeners to check it out. Skedaddlewildlife.com. Again, the the link will be in the show notes, so you don't have to write it down if you're driving in your truck. Check out the website. There's some really cool stuff. And if you're, you know, let's say you're just like looking for a career change. You're like, you know, I've been doing animal control long enough. I want to do this. Sounds fun. I want to open up a franchise. You offer that, right? Exactly. That's you know, I we're at the stage. You know, I still have my what we call my founder locations, where I still own and operate. I've managed and whatnot in place, but. Yeah, our main focus now is promoting our humane methods and getting it across America. So, you know, people who, you know, like animals or work in the animal control industry already, they're a great uh, applicant to, to own a Skedaddle franchise because they like animals, they like people, and, you know, you're in business for yourself and you're doing, you're still helping out animals uh, as a Skedaddle franchise owner. What would you say, okay, give me... What what is the hardest part about becoming a franchise owner or doing this type of work? Probably the hardest part is, you know, is is making that step. You know, you have a secure job as an animal control officer, or maybe you're in a different industry. You know, it's tough to leave a guaranteed paycheck to start mm. something where, okay, you know, where's my money coming in? You know, we have all the systems in place and the marketing in place that, you know, with the right you know, if you have the money to start the franchise that, you know, you're going to hit the ground running, you know, uh, we've just recently opened up uh, a new location and, you know, there's more of a wait for his service vehicle to get wrapped and outfitted. You know, he had two weeks worth of appointments to go to because we started our marketing campaign. So, um, okay. you know, we'll be there to help and, and support because that's what franchising is all about that, you know, I have staff that would have been with me for 20, 25 years. There's pretty much nothing we haven't seen. And if there is something cool and unique, like a, I don't know, like a 20 foot snake, you know, I've got a crew of staff that would jump on a plane and fly anywhere to tackle that. So uh, <laughs> we're, we're there to support our franchisees and make them successful. And, and you know, once again, we want to promote that, uh, you know, trapping and relocating animals is not a humane method. People think it is. It's animal proofing the home, keeping those family units together, which we, we have these baby reunion boxes we use that That's put the fun. babies in. Mom finds them. We put it close by the entry hall. She carries those babies away one by one to an alternate den site. Mm -hmm. And that is so cool that, you know, people are like, oh, I'm just going to go to my neighbors and go in. No, that raccoon or squirrel already has a hole in that neighbor's roof. And you, you see that raccoon go right in that <laughs> hole. Be so much better. It's like there, there's so many animals out there. So that's, it's still to this day, you know, you get excited. We're getting coming into baby season. Uh, in fact, we have a call on Monday, one of our franchise locations, the, the homeowners reporting babies. So everybody in the entire skedaddle universe is excited. Thing, okay, here we go. Babies are arriving a little bit early. We're still in January, but uh, we're all excited to see if we got definite confirmation of babies to come uh, come tomorrow Monday. You know, it, and it's it's a fun thing to to deal with. I. I they're still some of my favorite calls. You know, now that I work up higher in the mountains, our wildlife tends to be moose 
and large large wildlife, which our Department of Wildlife typically handles those calls. You know, we had our our handful of bats this last uh, summer. Actually, we quite a bit. Actually, more than I think I expected. And and we still get the fledglings and things like that. But you know, it's a nice break when you're doing animal control. It's a nice break from just the day to day. You know. A lot of people don't realize when you get into this profession, it's public facing and you're dealing with people a lot more than you are the animals. And in your world, though, you still have to deal with people. It sounds like there's a lot more opportunity to do things from a creative standpoint of figuring out, excuse me, how the animals getting in the property, how to keep it out of the property, you know, certain ways to, to really animal proof the home. We had a, <laughs> personally, this is probably, close to 10 years ago now we had this old old siding i forget the name of it and the woodpecker just loved it and it would you know it would go in and it make these big holes and and i'd spend hours going into the attic and, and trying to you know i would take off trim of the house so it couldn't perch and sit there and, and peck away you know things like that can be really frustrating for a homeowner so i think what you're doing is is really really important. And I'm sure people appreciate it because, you know, for us, you know, the, the woodpecker is a protected species. So you can't just, you know, take a BB gun and and shoot it. You got to figure out, figure out alternative ways to, to eliminate the problem. So I'm glad that that's a service that you, you, you and your, your company offers. Yes. Animals are destructive, you know, whether it be a woodpecker or, you know, a 30 pound raccoon running around your attic or squirrels chewing your electrical wiring or rats or mice, you know, your home is your biggest investment of your life. And, you know, when you have an animal up there destroying it, you, know, you might see a hole on the outside. That's the tip of the iceberg. Mm. You know, even to this day, you know, some of my staff will send their franchise will send me pictures and you know, the destruction inside an attic is just astounding. I could um, imagine. <laughs> not not to mention the odor and the ectoparasites, the ticks and fleas that are on those animals that then migrate into the house and, and get on the, the, the family cat or the family dog. And, you know, so there's a lot of destruction and people need it. It's a necessary service. People have to do it. They can't just continue to live with an animal destroying their, their biggest investment of their life. Have you ever had a situation where someone calls because of raccoons in the home and it was the neighbor's pet? Because raccoons are sometimes people's pets. Uh, we haven't had those. We've had okay. ones where uh, it was a neighborhood cat that was in the <laughs> attic, and the homeowner phoned and said, "You know, I'm hearing meowing in my attic." I was like, "What meowing?" That's probably you know. And you get out there, and there's uh, there's Frisky up there, and you know you have to rescue it, take it out, and give it back to the neighbor. And of course, <laughs> that homeowner wasn't very happy because you know she had to pay us to get up there and do it to yeah. get her neighbor's cat out, but um yeah there's always you know unique and fun stories whether it's owls coming down chimneys or great horned owls flying around factories or probably our most unique uh rescue was japanese snow monkeys that were on the loose from a private zoo and uh it was the mother and two young ones the young uh male he started showing his dominance and was coming up to people that carry hepatitis hiv a lot Mm. of cool diseases for us humans so we had to go out and uh, it's kind of bittersweet because it was like the, it was like you're in Africa, you know, the, the monkeys were swinging from the trees and you know, oh my out, goodness. out comes the, uh, it was more in a rural area. The farmer kind of came out carrying a hockey stick, right? What's he carrying that for? Well, 
the female, the mother would go in heat once a year and he would gently use the hockey stick to keep her away. So mm. we, we used him as bait to catch the mom. We catch, we used the mom as bait to catch the young ones and then took them to a, a private zoo. So they, wow. could, so kind of bittersweet that they had, you know, they were born in captivity. They had a taste of, of the wild and, and then back to captivity. So that was, that's kind of our, our, when people say, Oh, what's your most unique animal? We always use the Japanese snow monkey story. That's a pretty cool story. Is there anything we didn't cover you want to make sure our listeners here today? Again, I want them to to check out the website, skedaddlewildlife.com. And just, you know, let's wrap it up here. And if there's anything we didn't chat, let's make sure our listeners here. Uh, no, I think we t- covered everything. As I said, you know, our, our we're a real proponent of not trapping and relocating animals, especially during a birthing season as we're coming into that now. You know, the, fo- the focus needs to be on homeowners realizing they have to animal-proof their home. These animals are here to stay in the city with us. We need to le- learn to, to live with them because they're living with us. Agreed. And, uh, you know, animal-proof your home. Awesome. Well, Bill, thanks again for, for being a guest. Uh, we encourage everyone to check out your website, skedaddlewildlife.com. Check out our website, humanemain.com. You can check out the podcast anywhere. And we also have some social pages for that too. The humane, I can't even talk anymore. Bishop, if she was here, she would keep me in line. The animal control report is on Instagram. Humane Maine is on Instagram. So please check those out and uh, like, share, rate the podcast. Make sure you check out Skedaddle Wildlife as well. And they have some really cool stuff. And Bill, it's been a pleasure having you on today. We, we learned a lot. And I think it's really good for our listeners to know there, you know, our different options, especially for animal control officers dealing with situations that may be out of our, you know, out of, out of our purview that there are wildlife control operators that can get in there and help. So thank you, Bill. Uh, We appreciate your time. And as always, regardless of the name of the show, the animal control report likes to say, thanks for listening and keep it humane, Maine Bishop, come back next week. because It's not the same without you. (laughs) 